When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hey guys, today on the Family Brain, I will be talking about one of the themes that I've noticed in the episodes over the past year. We are celebrating our one-year anniversary of the Family Brain on April 1st. So one of the themes that I've noticed and trends in many, if not all, of the episodes that I've recorded has been this theme about connection and how a lot of our suffering and distress comes from lack of connection with other people or with ourselves. And One of the reasons why I started the Family Brain Podcast was because I think it's just so easy to lose connection. And so my hope is not that you're going to get all your connections through podcasts or videos or social media, but that this is an inspiration to then go out and connect with people in your real life or to think about the connections you currently have and if they're working for you or not and sort of how to cultivate those more authentic connections in your life, how to weed out the things that aren't working for you. And that doesn't mean, oh, you're dead to me. You know, I'm not talking to you anymore. But just what is really filling you up and giving you energy to be your best self. Um, So I am going to talk a little bit about that and sort of discuss some of the episodes that have pointed this out in past episodes. One of the people that helped inspire this podcast was Bob Goff. And if you don't know who Bob Goff is, he is an author and speaker. And one of the books that he wrote, Love Does, was very inspiring to me. And he basically just talks about, you know, religion, faith preferences aside, that loving each other is our number one mission here on this earth. And he asked a question of me and my friend, Shelly, you know, asking if we felt known. Do we feel known to other people? And I think so often we miss connections. And in our hurried day-to-day lives and our distractions and our, we here we have to be here, we have to check this, we got to check email, we got to check voicemail, we got to show up here and there. It's very easy to miss that 
um, time to, to really connect and to feel like someone else knows you and understands who you are on a deeper level. And when he asked us that question, we both kind of thought, Meh, not, not really, no. Um, and I just, I, what I'm, I'm seeking for myself and, and hopefully, um, getting you excited to do as well is think more about how, how do we feel known to other people and, and feel that true connection through deeper conversations. So thank you, Bob, for helping inspire the podcast. And um, one of the first people that I had on the podcast, um, I think it was the second episode, was Kirk Martin with Celebrate Calm. And what he talked about with connection was just this idea that so much of parenting, he's he talks about celebrating calm parenting, which is never easy. And he admits that. But talking about connecting with your child in your parenting instead of just like, here are the rules, just staying calm and also connecting with yourself in terms of you staying calm and inspiring your children to then model you. Um, but I love the way he talks about just this more connected parenting, both to yourself and to your kids. Um, and I thought that it's just a mental shift for me, and I think it's helped me in some of my parenting. What What are the parts that I can control in terms of my own behavior, and what are things that are not within my control that, that my kids are going to have to work out throughout life? Um, one of the other episodes that I recorded that talked about connection was, um, you know what, I'm, I changed my mind. I'm not going to go through episode by episode and talk about connection. I'll, I'll list a few different things. I, I had Carol Miller talking about loss and grief um, and, and the need for connection in that. Same with um, the episode about single parenting and the support that people need through divorce. Um, likewise, when I was talking to Sasha Tweel and Jill Goolsby about parenting kids with special needs, talking about building up a community to then parent better because you feel like you're a part of a group that is going through similar things. Um, I also talk a lot about connection with self. And one of the things that I really enjoy asking people about is the last question I typically ask is, how do you take care of yourself while you're making connections with other people and taking care of other people? And I just always love to hear people's answers. And it's even more fun when they sort of pause and they're not really sure what their answer is, because I, I feel like it's fun to have them think on the spot and just kind of hear what they come up with. But connection with yourself, whether it be through how you're focusing on your self-care or focusing on your hunger cues or what helps you relax or what restores you or who are the people that you put in your environment that help give you energy instead of deplete you. Um, and it's just fun to hear about people's sort of journey with reconnecting with themselves. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are people who feel connected with themselves at all times, but I would guess that for most humans, it's sort of an ongoing process of reconnecting and sort of rebooting and, and keeping yourself in check with that. And for me, one of the big things that's helped me is just being aware of that. You know, when am I not connected? When am I super overloaded and I need to sort of pull back and do some of those self-care things to sort of help level myself out. One of my telltales is usually I start yelling at people like my kids about stupid things that don't really matter, 
but my reaction is much stronger than it might typically be. And that's, that's because I'm overloaded. And I don't, this, this, the pace of this world and the expectations of parents and people and people at work and being connected all the time on your phone. And I was reading a statistic the other day. I'm going to make up the number, but I think I'm in the general ballpark. Something about like 85% of your time is spent connected to work. It used to be a nine to five situation and then you went home. And, and, and I mean, obviously there were exceptions to that too, but now with um, uh, smartphones and computers, people are checking emails, people are checking in with work, and that work brain has a lot of trouble shutting down. So um, there's just a lot of stressors on us now that we didn't have in the past. And so I think we almost have to be more mindful about how to keep those things in check. Um, technology has an amazing capacity to connect people. And I mean, I've, I have learned so much on Instagram from people that I, I've never met. And I learn about racism and um, healthy body image and mental health topics. And I learned that there's this whole world of art around mental health that's just so cool. And so there's such a capacity to learn from social media, but then there's also that capacity to feel drained by it, by looking at people who, you know, post pictures of themselves in their bikinis or, you know, with their... And and I have honestly no problem with that. If you want to do that and that makes you happy, go for it. If that helps you feel accountable. But I think it's not so much about... I mean, you can think about why am I posting this? And that might be something that you need to to process. I've been trying to do that. Why am I why am I posting this? Um, but it's important to keep in mind what you're consuming, you know, that our brain just gets so overloaded by certain types of images. So if you're going through and say your your social media feed is just full of people with like rock hard abs, you're probably gonna feel like crap about your abs, you know? So it's just it seems very obvious when you say it, but a lot of us are doing this kind of thing. Same with like if you're following people who all have beautiful homes, you might look around at your home and feel like, eh, this doesn't look so great. You might not be affected at all, which is great. But if you're starting to feel like, uh, my home really is the pits, maybe think about what information is feeding your brain and how to sort of filter that out. So I'm trying to think... If I were to give tips on connecting, I think one of the things that I have realized over time is to sort of take the time to notice where you feel comfortable, where you feel safe, where you could say anything and it would be okay. Because those are probably the relationships that you want to nurture and that you want to increase connection in. And it doesn't mean that people that you don't feel that around are not kind people or not good people, but just, you know, everyone feels safe and connected in different environments. And so I think that just sort of checking in with yourself and a lot of times it, it can be right at the beginning, like, oh, this person gets me, you know, or this person just does not get me. And that's okay. Um, I feel like I keep saying that. That's okay. But I think that that's just something to to pay attention to. I feel like when I was younger, I used to look for external um, signals that someone was similar to me or that I would get along with them. 
meaning they had the same jacket or they had the same backpack or the same shoes. I mean, this is when I'm much younger, but still. Um, But just things that I thought looked cool. And I think now, I I really hope I'm not doing this. I I still, if somebody has cool shoes on, I'm going to probably ask them where they're from. But that doesn't mean we're going to be lifelong friends. Um, So I would say that's something to just really pay attention to is where you feel most safe and also exploring interests, you know, like if there's something that you really enjoy, um, for example, for me, I really enjoy yoga and I'm not super good friends with the people in that place, but I like the routine of going into the space, talking to the people there and they don't know me on a deeper level, but you know what, maybe over some point in time that will happen. I don't know. But I think that that's another way to increase your your um, opportunity for connection. So a book that I picked up recently is called Lost Connections by Johan Hari. And it ba- he basically talks about um, his, he's a journalist. And so he has struggled with his own depression and wanted to research the science behind depression and anxiety and um, prescription medications. And not surprisingly, his work has been celebrated and criticized and it's sort of all over the map. I find it interesting because I just think that mental health and emotional wellness is such a complicated topic. And there's probably a number of reasons that contribute to emotional wellness. It's not all one or all the other, but he calls into question what the amount that we're using prescription medication to cope with depression and anxiety. And some of the factors that he points to, um, he sort of questions if it is a broken, a broken brain, um, not broken, but a, a brain that's out of balance and questions some of the things in our world that could be contributing to depression and anxiety. And I, I think that's great. I think the more we think about these topics, the more we'll learn. And if we don't challenge some of the ways that we think about things and the paradigms of mental health, we're not going to move forward. We're not going to have more information. And I like the idea of sort of thinking about how we're living and what is that how we want to be living. If it is, great, do it. If it's not, okay, it gives you a chance to pull back and sort of question if that's if that's the best path for you. So some of the things that he comes up with as causes um, based on his research was disconnection from meaningful work, meaning that you're showing up somewhere every day that you hate, that you don't enjoy, that doesn't feed your interests or your passions. Um, cause two is dic- disconnection from other people. Cause three, disconnection from meaningful values. Um, one of the things he talked about recently was instead of enjoying things just for face value, people recording things all the time and and wanting to then post it um, and sort of get acknowledgement on social media. And um And again, he had lots of celebrations and lots of critics for that um, opinion or point. Um, Disconnection from another cause is disconnection from childhood trauma. One of the things I found interesting in his book was he talks about how emotional abuse from a parent is actually more damaging and more increases your cause of or your um, likelihood of depression more than even sexual abuse, which I found that surprising. Um, 
some of the science in this book, I do not, I have not followed up on. This is his journalism. So I'm just um, telling you what I read. Um, Cause five is disconnection from status and respect. Um, Meaning that maybe you aren't treated well or the people around you don't respect you or your role. Honestly, when I hear that, I think of motherhood because a lot of the work that we do goes unrecognized and it's not super celebrated in our society. Folding laundry, doing dishes. When people ask me if I work, I, I started telling them, yes, I work all the time. All the time I'm working because if I'm not actively folding something, I'm thinking about what do my kids need? So that is what my brain goes to when I hear that. Cause six is disconnection from the natural world. I've heard that a lot from people when I talk to people about self-care, that a lot of people really feel better when they're outside, whether it be walking their dog or just taking a walk around their block or being at the beach. Um, And I think that people mentioning that has helped me do that more often, that it was something that I didn't think that I needed as much as I think I do. Um, cause seven is disconnection from a hopeful or secure future. Um, I, I mean, you watch the news and you might feel that way. Causes eight and nine are the real role of genes and brain changes. You know what? I'm going to be honest. I haven't read that far and I'm not exactly sure what that means. So I'm going to keep reading. And I actually really would love to have him on the podcast because I think we could have a pretty fun conversation about what he found and, I just like that he's interested in these topics and and they are controversial, um, but I think it's worth exploring what are the things, the inputs we're, we're putting into ourselves that might be causing us more suffering than we need. Um, and then there's always things that cause depression. Grief is a major one. And I don't know, so he talks a little bit in the book about the difference between depression and grief. And I was reading about how he he was saying something about these um, sort of, uh, what's the word, artificial parameters that get put around things in the diagnostic manual. So the diagnostic manual is how um, mental disorders get um, classified for then re- um, insurance reimbursement. And that the the way that grief gets described is it, it has changed. So it was like, if you aren't done grieving within the span of one month, then it's considered depression. And that the timeframes have changed over time, but that there are these very artificial um, parameters that get put around um, some of these diagnoses. So I just, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to me to think more critically about how we are making these calls and um, and that a lot of it is constructed and not just face value information. So I guess I would say that one of the biggest things that I've learned from doing this podcast over the past year is, first of all, people are awesome. Everyone has an amazing story to share. And what's always so interesting to me is that people don't always recognize that in themselves. And then we get to talking and they're like, oh, I sounded pretty good. I'm like, you're incredible. I mean, people's stories just are fascinating to me and the human ability to overcome and to take tragedy and make something of that is just 
I don't, I, to me, it's magical. I love it. And I love hearing people's stories. And one of the things that I think helps all of us through this journey is this idea of connection and sharing our stories, sharing our stories with people that we trust, that we will feel known by. And the more connected we are, the more able we are to get through our suffering. I mean, that is just part of this journey is the suffering. And I think that when we try to push it away and think that it's wrong, we do a disservice to ourselves. Um, That's sort of part of the spectrum of, of this life. And the more we're connected to other people, the more we can get through those times of suffering and then use the suffering for something greater. Um, And if you're struggling with these kinds of connections or you think that that's just not for you, you're not capable, I would definitely suggest seeking out a therapist in your area because that is those are some skills that you might need to learn. Maybe that it's not something you were taught. Maybe it's not something that comes instinctually to you, but there are people who are trained to help you with that. And that is, I would say, one of the big goals of therapy is to help you connect in your day-to-day world and to feel more connected to your work, to your family, to your friends, to your neighborhood, to your environment. And if that's something that you just don't feel you have a capacity for, it would be worth every penny to get some help with that and and enjoy your life more. So I just want to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast over the past year. It has been a journey, and it's a journey I plan to continue. It's uh, I feel like I started out nervous. And I mean, I'm still nervous because I'm doing different things. For me, talking just on my own makes me feel weird, for lack of a better word. And or dork, as I I said before, my son heard me say that and he was like, I'm just going to start calling you a dork. I'm like, that's fine. I don't mind. Um, So at the beginning of recording this podcast, I felt very nervous and I still feel nervous because I'm trying to sort of push outside of my comfort zone. Recording on my own is much less comfortable than talking to someone else at this point. But when I first started talking to someone else was nerve wracking. So my encouragement to all of you is that if there's something you really want to try, but it really scares you, just try it. Try it. And it gets so much easier over time. Um, I mean, I'm still a super big chicken about speaking in front of people on a stage of any kind. That sounds horrible and could be that I just never do that. I don't know. Um, But I don't know. Now that I say that out loud, I probably will have to just to sort of show myself that I can do it. Anyway, it has been a joy talking to all of you, and I have loved hearing everyone's stories. If anybody has any ideas or suggestions for the podcast for the upcoming year, season two, I'm going to call it season two, um, please let me know. You can reach out through Facebook. Uh, We have a group called The Family Brain, and I'm also on Instagram, Family Brain Podcast, and or you can look online. Our website is familybrainpodcast.com and you can reach out to me through that and you can get all of the episodes from the past year on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I think the majority of people that listen to podcasts here listen on iTunes, 
But if you listen in other places, they should be there too. And if they're not where you would like them to be, let me know and I'll see if I can fix that. So thank you so much. And in celebration of this one year anniversary, I have a special favor, which is to go and leave a review on iTunes which helps other people find the podcast. So basically what happens is when you leave a review, it lets iTunes know that this is something that people are enjoying. And so it makes it more available when people are searching for things. People will come across it more readily. So it's not super easy to find where you leave a review. You have to go to where all the episodes are listed. And then at the very bottom, it says write a review. They do not make it easy for you to find. So that would be an awesome anniversary present. I would really appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening and for listening me to me in the early days. And even now, just kind of bumble my way through. I appreciate all the positive feedback and the encouragement that I've been getting. And it is definitely what keeps me going. So thank you. And I'll be back for season two. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.